In nature, nothing is perfect and everything is perfect. Trees can be contorted, bent in weird ways, and they're still beautiful. Alice Walker Welcome to Her Own Words, a Dear Damsels podcast. We're Abby and Bridie, the team behind Dear Damsels, and this podcast is part of our overall mission to provide a platform for women's voices, which is what we've been doing online and in print for the past six years. We want to share the stories of women in their own words. Today, it's a very special podcast in celebration of Tools for Surviving a Storm by Nadia Henderson. It's a transportive, immersive short story collection that examines the lines between nature and the human world and how they blur. It's also our first one for publication, which we'll be publishing on the 3rd of December. In honour of Nadia's beautiful book, we've dedicated this podcast to nature writing, looking at our most recent theme on the website, Retreat, and interviewing Nadia about why she chose to write about the natural world. But first, Abby's picked a quote by Alice Walker. Why'd you pick this quote, Abs? I picked the quote because I thought it'd be a really good place to kick off this episode about nature and women and writing. It sort of feels like the answer to the question, why write about nature? And I like the idea of things being contorted and strange and kind of weird, which nature is. But it's also, that's a nice counterpoint to this idea of nature being serene and beautiful and peaceful. And I think that that in-between bit is, it shows why nature is such a rich source of inspiration. Definitely something that Nadia does so well is to talk about or to explore all the dark and strange bits of nature like the poisonous flowers and the dangerous climate (laughs) um, as well as showing you the beauty of it at the same time you know both things exist together that danger and the beauty so that's why I picked the quote (laughs) Brody yeah I think something else that's sort of interesting about the danger and the beauty and something that we found in Nadia's stories is how it relates to being a woman and this is something that you'll hear Nadia discuss in our interview with her a bit later but I think it's really interesting that her stories are sort of about women in nature specifically and um, when I thought about nature writing I always think about romanticism because I studied that at sixth form but also that image of I think it's like the wanderer above the sea of fog or some like really wanky name like that but it's a it's a painting that sort of represents the romantic era and just a man on a walk in like a really insane cliff face. He's like really pensive and looking at the beauty of nature. But the inherent thing is that nature writing was something that was really held by men for quite a long time historically. And I think that's definitely shifted with like people, well, specifically women writing about their own landscapes and how it relates to their life. And that idea of the beauty and the danger, but also freedom and liberation that comes from nature and immersing yourself in it. And I think there's definitely freedoms in nature writing or writing that has a strong natural theme that gives a writer that maybe different forms don't really have. And I think that's definitely something we found in like our most recent pieces for Retreat, how the idea of like specifically within like a natural setting, what it allows you to explore. Yeah, that's interesting that you think about romanticism when you think about nature writing, because I think also about Angela Carter in the idea of those like weird worlds she created nature's used in that kind of fantastical way and it's all a bit disturbing i suppose what you can do when you're writing about nature is kind of create a whole kind of world even if it's the world we exist in it feels so complete and it can feel like somewhere 
completely other, even if yeah, it is in this in this real world that we kind of know and exist in. In October and November on Dear Damsels, we've been focusing on the theme of retreat. And as we wrote in the submission letter, we were looking to find out where you go when you want to return to yourself. So often when we need space to escape everyday life, we turn to nature for that kind of breath of fresh air. And we really found that our writers took that idea when writing for this theme and used that idea of nature as a retreat, both kind of explicitly in some cases, but often using it metaphorically and kind of weaving it through their writing that way. That was true of Azul by Safa Mariam. Safa wrote so beautifully about that idea of retreating into kind of sad feelings and letting yourself do that um, and making those sad feelings kind of feel like a, a place, a kind of cosy cave <laughs> to, um, to retreat into. And so the opening lines, which I'll just read quickly, are When the world becomes too loud, I dive deep into the velvet of my sadness, my blanket of blue. I feel like from those opening lines, like we were like, but yes, that's what we were looking for with retreat. It's such a nice, a nice thing to explore. Like you don't always have to kind of tackle and challenge those those bad feelings. You can you can kind of sit with them and retreat from the world, and that's that's okay sometimes. Yeah, what I really liked as well is the fact that the poem focuses on this sort of blue color. It does feel very sort of water. It feels like Sapper's talking about the sea and water using that as an image. So it's like another blue entity as large as the sea can sometimes be the entity of sadness. So I think that was like a really good interplay. And yeah, definitely that blanket of blue is like, you know, when you imagine yourself submerged in water, sometimes you can submerge yourself in sadness or low feelings and it'd be okay. It'd just be something you sort of need to feel, like the feeling demands to be felt. Um, and I thought that was really clever of Safa. Mm, yeah, it makes me think of being kind of forest bathing. Don't really know what it is, but that's just... Have you not heard of that? Forest bathing? Is this different to wild water right. swimming? Slightly wrong. Um, I think it's when you go walk in a forest and you kind of take in like the sounds. Is that a name? I thought and I was just walking. I thought I, I was just enjoying just, <laughs> like a woodland. I might have just made up what... <laughs> I might have just heard that term and like made up what I think it means. But... Um, Safa's poem makes me think about that, that kind of all-encompassing, like, immersive feeling of just being with yourself. And you can do that so well by stepping into nature, but you can also just, you can just step into yourself for a little bit when you need to. And we've got a recording of Safa reading her beautiful poem, Azul, for you now. Azul. When the world becomes too loud, I dive deep into the velvet of my sadness, my blanket of blue. I empty the glass always full till all griefs pool in my chest. My drowners turn comforters, the friends that know me best. I bury myself in childhood albums, the graveyard of my memories, each stained blue at the edges, tainting each tranquility. Warm arms of a cerulean sea reach out, soak, submerge me with sorrow that forever remains through aches anchored in my veins. When the world becomes too loud, past shades emerge anew. My watercolour sadness bathes me in blue. Another piece of writing we wanted to pull out from our theme is the short story In Darkness by Dominique Gracier. This short story is set on Medusa's island and Dominique shows how the island 
as the sort of location and the landscape of it has become a refuge and retreat for Medusa. So how it works to shield her and hide her from the world. Sort of again doing what Sapphire does, reflecting how Medusa feels and why she has chosen to shut herself away. It's really funny, um, which I think we weren't expecting from a mythological short story. Um, but it was it is really great and we love how Medusa's character comes through in the descriptions of the island as well as in the characterization that Dominique has created. I think it's really clever and there's lines that give this away. For example, she preferred to hide in darkness here in the caves that burrowed into the island's westerly face. And that reminds me again of that burrowing we're talking about, Safa, that sort of comfort of retreating, of allowing nature to take over and to hide you and to shield you. Mm, I really like how the story ends with, with a woman stepping onto the island for the first time and that not going down the way thing it usually goes down with a, when a man steps onto Medusa's island because it sort of leads on from Sappho's poem in the way that sometimes you know that retreat is good sometimes when you need that person to step into step into your retreat and kind of pull you out as well what are your feelings about um kind of greek mythology do you are you a fan of so a what are telling one of the things with this is that I never studied it ever. I read Circe by Madeline Miller and I had never read any of like Homer or Odysseus. Or I can't remember which one that's based on, but any of the Greek mythology, I don't know any of it. Mm. It was never in my education. I've never read any. I've never been taught any at uni. So I find my only knowledge of it is based on the Hercules film by Disney, um, which I was pulling forward as a reference when reading Circe. But I think it's, I think it's, good I think it's like amazing in terms of sort of the metaphor and the imagery that comes through in it and what I really do like is how there's this like resurgence of these stories being told in new ways like definitely in Dominique's short story Medusa's character is like sassy kind of tired of men's shit and like really quite funny and that's not something you necessarily think about this monster that you've heard of snakes in the hair so many times so yeah, I mean, it's just not something I'm very familiar with until suddenly all these books are about it now and I'm enjoying them. So, what about you? Yeah, I'm similar in that I have never studied it. I don't know. I, I don't feel drawn as other people obviously are to those kind of retellings. But yeah, like you say, it's so interesting to see how these are stories that can be retold and it's in those retellings, especially from, you know, a woman's perspective. That is interesting and... And that's exactly, you know, what Dominique plays with in her short story. Um, and I hadn't, I hadn't, I don't even know how familiar I am with the Medusa tale. So I hadn't even been that familiar with the island that she lives on. I, I really loved kind of stepping into, into Medusa's world in this, in this really like short, short story yeah. that's super powerful. I like what you said there about the retelling of these myths. And I think that's something, again, with nature writing, like recreating a location is always really interesting because that location changes like the earth changes like scenes change like general like landscapes change so what's nice about Dominique picking a natural scene that's from like history or from myths is that it will never change so it's like a constant um which is always something that you know especially to go back to Nadia's Nadia's story is a lot about climates that are changing and landscapes that are completely moving and this is a story where the landscape is fixed because it's based on this like fixed myth, which she is able to retell because sort of the setting is quite 
similar or familiar even to people who know it. So all of that is to say that we have a recording of Dominique reading from In Darkness for you now. Sometimes the seals attracted boats and then she was glad when the men came ashore because at least they would be punished, first with death and then with her hammer. But still she waited in darkness until their fate was sealed. Did they know that she was here, those men who risked Sarpedon's shores? The wandering soldiers, the explorers, the fishermen. Did they talk about her out there in the world? Did they think she was a babylus and use the tale of men scattered into fragments to scare young sailors? Sometimes she thought that she might have tried eating them, except that she couldn't eat stone. Another poem that we really loved from this retreat theme is Scarlet Ward's My Therapist Asked Me How My Week Has Been, a poem that falls into the category of not having nature in the foreground. But we found it so interesting because what Scarlet is exploring in the poem is really how it is to be a woman moving through the world and... and uh, explores the feelings of being kind of exposed and um, kind of out there on your own and vulnerable that it, it can feel like for women. I guess it taps into that idea of danger that we were speaking about at the, at the start of the episode that feels so bound up with nature. It's something that comes through a lot in Nadia's short story collection in Tools for Surviving a Storm. That women are existing kind of in a in a dangerous natural climate. Yeah, definitely. I do think that there's definitely a sense of shutting away in this poem. It starts quite cosy, I think. I don't know. It's sort of very set internally in the sense of it feels like it's, again, it's like talking about Scarlett's poem is about talking to a therapist, assuming in her home she's saying that she can count the steps from the house to the park behind her house. Like you definitely got a sense of sort of enclosing and the natural world being scary to her. Um, so as the poem starts to unravel, we as readers understand the dangerous world that she has experienced and it reflects a reality, a sad reality for a lot of women of what we have to be aware of all the time, even in a slow way. Um, there's a line in it at the end of one of the stanzas. It helps me measure exactly how much of myself to hate today, yet impressively still maintain enough of that original instinct drilled into us by whoever made us to allow fear fear is allowed and what I think is so amazing about that line is that fear is allowed section talking about it being an original instinct whoever made us like it's very natural it's like the natural state of things is for women to feel helpless is for women to be fearful and when we act that way we're playing into the sort of natural state of things and I think that's something definitely that isn't you know true and is sad but it's definitely something we've all experienced and those like gender norms and all of those kind of things that teach us to be scared all the time that yeah the fear is allowed part I just really remember being like wow that's true so that's an emotion you're allowing women to have is to be scared that's something that is always allowed of women Mm -hmm. anything aside from that anything that's too brave or confident or bold she isn't at all so I think that was really clever of Scarlett to weave that sense of natural behavior into Mm -hmm. the poem when she's talking order of things yeah exactly and yeah that's such a good point about how being out in alone at night in the park for example is something that we're told not to do and it's sort of like putting women at odds with nature in a way but it's you know when you look at it closely it's not it's not the park that's the dangerous thing so yeah really interesting to kind of unpack that further and kind of we're not allowed out in the dark 
Um, but yeah, it's not the darkness that we're supposed to be scared of, you know. Exactly. And I think Scarlet really explores it brilliantly in his poem. Um, so here's Scarlet Ward reading, My Therapist Asked Me How My Week Has Been. My therapist asks me how my week's been and I show her the twisted trunk of wick I left burning overnight for the women who are being murdered. My therapist asks me how my breathing exercises are going and I open a window, draw a detailed diagram of a lamb's lung, break my pencil and hold it up to the webcam, the pencil I mean, the drawing I've already forgotten about. My therapist asks me whether I've stopped memorising the registration plates of every van that drives past me and I tell her the hair colour of all my neighbours, the names of the news presenter that evening and the number of steps from my house to the park behind my house. It's 200 by the way. I'm good at counting steps. It helps me measure exactly how much of myself to hate today yet impressively still maintain enough of that original instinct drilled into us by whoever made us to allow fear. Fear is allowed. My therapist asks whether I've written in my mood journal. I haven't. I ask her if she can bring people back from the dead. She can't. That brings us on to Dearest Damsels and this is the part of the podcast where we shine a light on the amazing women in our community or our network who are doing things that we think that you really need to know about. And in the spirit of this special podcast, we'd like to welcome Nadia Henderson on, who is the author of the next book Edie will be publishing, Tools for Surviving a Storm. Originally from London, Nadia moved to rural North Sweden in the spring of 2020 to pursue her dream of writing full time. An alumna of the book's sake, Write Like a Girl and Common Press Short Story Courses, Nadia's work explores themes such as nature, motherhood, love and loss, sometimes weaving in elements of folklore and magical realism. And it's fair to say that Tools for Surviving the Storm has all of that wrapped up in there, which we love. Nadia's stories are incredibly immersive and vivid, and we know you're going to love them as much as we do. So after that long-winded introduction, hello, (laughs) Nadia. Tell us a little bit about Tools for Surviving a Storm, why you wanted to write it, and what the collection means to you. Sure. Well, it's a collection of stories exploring the beauty and brutality of um, nature and how our relationships with nature can be wonderful, but they can also be complex and difficult. I started, well, I wrote the first story for the collection, which is Foxglove. That was the first story I wrote, and I think I wrote that one back in 2017. The rest of it I mostly wrote this year. I wrote those stories whilst I was also kind of uh, settling into a new place and kind of finding my feet in a new environment. I had the goal to write a short story collection this year and Tools for Surviving a Storm is the result of that goal. For that reason, it's just really meaningful to me. It's my first creative project that I've finished. This Your, your collection was uh, something you sent into our very first one author one author collection submission call and yeah Fox Club was the first story I think that was the first story we read of yours too Nadia did you start writing short stories consciously with the idea of wanting to write about nature specifically or was it that you kind of set out to write short stories and you found nature kind of appearing in your work naturally it definitely crept in naturally when I first started writing the stories for this collection. Her Child is Born on a Sunday. I wrote that at the beginning of 
I wrote most of that just after I moved here. And I was thinking a lot about motherhood at that time. Then being in Sweden with a lot of snow around and just this really like rugged woodland landscape, that setting kind of seeped into that story. And it kind of just went from there. It's a really good vehicle for exploring emotion, the emotions that I kind of wanted to touch on in a lot of the stories. So fear and isolation, things like that. Yeah, it's really incredible how you managed to balance the emotive side of the story with the landscape. Like, I think it's quite difficult to write setting. And this is this, one of the reasons these stories stood out to me in Abby is you balance setting and character like incredibly well. And I wonder if, has it always been short stories for you? Like, have you always felt like that was the platform that you're writing new ideas fitted into? Or do you think there was another form that you're also interested in that you'd like to explore the similar themes in? Well, when I was a teenager, I wrote a lot of novels. Um, who knows how good they were? They're all <laughs> disappeared on floppy disks somewhere in the world. But um, yeah, I really like short stories because they kind of suit my desire to reach an end point with a creative project quite quickly. I just really like that satisfaction of getting to the end quite quicker than a novel. I don't really want to spend years on one story I really enjoy finishing it and perfecting it and just pouring my all into it for a short amount of time and then being done and I think it's just a really creative form you can play around a lot with style and um, structure in ways that maybe wouldn't stretch out across a whole novel Mm. or at least for me I would find it quite hard to sustain a creative style throughout a whole novel. I am interested in trying long-form writing I'm really interested in uh, creative nonfiction. I've written some creative nonfiction for Dear Damsels and um, memoir and novella. I'm quite interested in because it feels like a midway between short stories and novel, which I might be able to deal with. Oh, I can imagine your writing suiting a novella so nicely. Thanks. And that's interesting on um, short stories versus novels, how it is a different kind of relationship uh, that you would have with like the work itself but also I never thought about how if you're working on a novel I guess I hadn't thought about this explicitly how you kind of stuck with like one character one setting or you know depending on how what your novel covers with short stories you get to you've got so many amazing characters and so many settings in these well 11 different settings in these 11 short stories and that's a lot of fun Mm. to be able to have all of that going on and not kind of tie yourself down (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> someone like currently struggling through writing a novel I'm done with all my characters I can't just keep introducing <laughs> new ones it doesn't quite work when you're trying to write a short story. <laughs> a novel even um we're sort of going back to the subject of the stories a lot of the stories in this collection focus on specific experiences of womanhood what do you think ties the experience of women to some of the natural themes that you've pulled together in your work well um unfortunately we're living in a in a reality where it's not always the natural world isn't always safe or accessible for women and people of marginalized genders and a lot of the characters in my stories they're kind of contending with that i was really interested in how our existence as human beings mirrors the cycles of nature and i think as women we get a lot thrown at us and it felt like the kind of tumultuous weather, like earthquakes, floods, um, storms, 
there was a parallel there that I found really interesting. Yeah, that reminds me, Abby, of when we were briefing um, Elise Bateman, who's done the amazing cover for this collection. The word that we put in the brief or the phrase was like, it's a danger, the dangerous climate of our planet and also the dangerous climate of existing as a woman. And that's basically mm-hmm. something that we pulled out very early on and Elise sort of ran with. So it's definitely true that parallel is really clear in stories. One thing as well in stories that we loved um, is how they have an incredible vivid sense of place. You've got stories in New Zealand, America's Deep South and the coastline of the north of England. Do you have any tips? And this would be very helpful to me because I am so bad at writing scene. But do you have any tips for writing settings that feel as immersive as yours do? Well, I started with places that I knew, like quite a few of the stories incorporate different places that I've lived or places in my background And then when it came to places that I wasn't as familiar with, I've never been to New Zealand or America. It was just a case of doing a lot of research. I fell into multiple internet rabbit holes, looking up how people speak in certain areas of Mississippi. Dialect was a big one, actually, even though I ended up not really going too into that in the stories. Um, I still thought it was important to kind of get a sense in my own head of how my characters might sound, the history of the places that the stories were set as well. And I found it really helpful to have visual cues Um, for The Weight of the Air, for example, which is set in Mississippi. I went on this interiors website and found like a southern home in that specific area with like really beautiful pictures. And I was like this. And that was basically the image that I had in my head for that character's home. It's funny how you can have quite a specific idea and I think that's why you're amazing at writing like setting because it can be something quite specific you've seen on the internet but it's open enough for your readers to fill it with their own references because yeah I think oh. that I think Mississippi house I imagine is my nan's house my nan lived in Newport Paschal <laughs> that's not at all <laughs> near the American South but that was sort of the things that were came up for me from that. I've never researched like this before for a creative project so it was really a lot of fun as well and um, some of the subject matter was not always that fun to read about um, because I was trying also to get kind of an idea of the yeah history and I don't know socio-economic background of the various places but it was really interesting really interesting to read about just fun to go on internet holes isn't it just like get lost in it today I'm just going to research a niche thing that I would never ever interact with aside from to write a short story about it I'm just hoping it somehow comes in handy at a pub quiz or something (laughs) I'm sure it will (laughs) I'm sure it will be very suddenly like my specific knowledge of Mississippi South interiors is going to win us this question yes (laughs) well thank you very much Nadia for a wonderful discussion and Nadia is now going to read the opening from a short story that shares the title with the collection So here's an idea of reading from Tools for Surviving the Storm. Hours before Lewis blew his head off with his pistol, we made love in the old Kobol. It was warm for September, with a warning breeze that seemed to be telling us something. It was a ridiculous place to make love. Smell of rotten fish that you could never quite scrub away. The hull was rough against my buttocks. And though the cove we'd sailed to was empty, whether or not it'd stay that way was anyone's guess. Risk had always enticed Lewis's appetite. But Christine Howard and her righteous gaggle of beach cleaners could turn up on the shore any moment only made him more eager. 
as, I suppose, did the fact that he knew this would be the last time. I'd have liked to have been in on that. Didn't seem fair, seeing as it was something I'd worried about for years. There was always going to be a last time. I'd expected it to be before we were both in our 70s, but sex was like a pair of fine leather shoes. Better the older we got. It was the forgetting what would do it, I thought. Happened the pistol saw to it first. The rain comes a week after the funeral. Barely a shower at first, then more than you know what to do with. In my housecoat, I string a sheet of tarpaulin from the trellis on the garden wall to cover the flower beds. I can take a beating from the heavens, but the hydrangeas are far too soft. Inside, I hang my coat on the door to dry and watch the water run off the edge of the sheet onto the lawn. Everyone's in a flap about the weather. It started when those men came down from the fancy university with their laser readings and erosion predictions and whatever else. And then there was the landslip earlier in the year, claimed a chunk of the cliff path. That likely hadn't helped. Lewis hadn't given it a minute's grace. You ask me, it's a whole lot of bother over and out. He'd never feared the elements. He'd earned his badge of honour 20 years earlier, when a freak storm had blown in from Scandinavia and flipped the cobble upside down like a penny. He'd lost the afternoon's catch and spent the night at Whitby Hospital recovering from a touch of hypothermia. Nothing he wouldn't laugh off days later over a pint with young Danny Collins, who'd been on his first shift with the Coast Guard that night and was as shaken as if it had been him who'd spent an hour clinging to the side of a capsized boat. I sit in the conservatory and watch the hydrangeas bow in the wind. They say coastal erosion is gradual. Bad weather bites at the cliffside, chewing it up a little at a time until a great hunk falls away. The forgetting happened like that, fumbling over which numbers to play on the lottery, having picked the same ones for 10 years. Tying himself in knots, trying to tell me the simplest of stories. One night, I woke to him scrambling through the dresser for his oilskin jacket. His back was silver in the moonlight. Make me a bacon butty, will you, love? I've got to get a move on or the boys will leave without me, he said. I hadn't the heart to tell him. He came down to the kitchen ten minutes later and couldn't for the life of him understand what compelled me to cook breakfast at four in the morning. Lewis wasn't one for half measures. Take the coast all at once, none of this little by little easy does it destruction. A pistol was a landslip. Life fell away, quick as a flash. He did it in the evening, feigning a trip to the offy. He groaned as he knelt down to tie his shoelaces, joking about the afternoon's labour. Bye, love, he said by the door. I hadn't looked up from my ironing. He walked to the cordoned off cliff path and called Sergeant Dale Dorsey, who he knew would arrive too late. As we've spoken about all podcasts, we really would love to tell you even more about Tools for Surviving a Storm, which we're publishing on the 3rd of December. Nadia's story is journey from Sweden's ancient woods to the floodplains of the American South, and the women in her stories navigate loneliness, loss, and what it means to be alive in an ever-changing world. 
A debilitating fear of foxgloves fuels a mother's obsessions, while a young girl discovers monsters on her morning swim. A woman stranded by a blizzard longs for a different reality, and, mourning the sudden death of her husband, a widow refuses to leave her home on the eroding coast as a storm blows in. Those are just a few of the stories that are included in this beautiful collection. It's really incredibly unique, and we can't wait to share it with you. The way you can get a copy is to pre-order it um, through our shop at deardamsels.com forward slash shop. By doing that, you're really helping us to build momentum and excitement about this special book. You can also just shout about it far and wide. That will also help. Hashtag T-F-S-A-S. <laughs> just throw that in there. It's catchy. And in other DD news, we'll be announcing our first theme of 2022 at the beginning of December. So keep an eye out for that if you're looking to write for Dear Damsels next year. Thank you for listening to Her Own Words. You can read or listen to all the pieces discussed today on our website, www.deardamsels.com and pre-order your copy of Tools for Surviving a Storm by Nadia Henderson on deardamsels.com forward slash shop. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at Dear Damsels. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love for you to share it far and wide and perhaps even subscribe, review and rate it. That's it for now. Thanks very much for listening. Bye, Bridie. Bye, Abs.